Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. Helping you invest in property for freedom, choice and profit. You'll learn new, innovative and multiple streams of property income. Whether you want to start, scale or systemize. And even if you don't have deposits. Hi, Kevin McDonald here and welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. This is a bit of a different episode today as it doesn't actually feature me. It's actually an episode that features former host Peter Jones, where he's interviewing Dan Buchan from Aspire Properties and We Sell BMV. Dan is somebody who I've got to know quite well over the last 18 months, and he helps me out a little bit now on my No Money Down trainings, as he's done most of the strategies through his company's Aspire Property, and also He's one of the biggest deal packaging companies in the UK. We sell BMV as one of the largest deal packaging providers in the UK where they sell other investors' properties. And he's pretty much packaged all types of property deals through that company. So Peter's interviewing Dan about his journey in property, how he started out and how he's got to the size of the business that he's got to today, which is very, very good for somebody who's still only in his mid-20s. Peter will be talking to Dan about how he started out in property and how he's grown his business to the level that it's at today, which in a very short period of time, about eight years, so he's 19 when he started in property, he's now 27. And Peter will be talking through how he's come through that journey of early 20s, teenager, early 20s, to become such a successful property investor in a field where many people think that you need to be older in property to do well in property. But actually, you can do it at any age. So that's a little bit about Dan. You've heard enough from me. Over to Peter. I've been Kevin McDonnell. You've been amazing. Hi, I'm Peter Jones, Chartered Surveyor, Author and Property Investor, and this is the Progressive Property Podcast. And I'm delighted today to be joined by Dan Buchan. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Good morning, Peter. I'm good, thank you. Now, it's good to have you on because we've actually tried to do this interview on a few occasions. And for whatever reason, we haven't got there, but we've got you in today. And I'm very excited about this because you know a lot about no money down and deal packaging and all that kind of good stuff, which I'm sure a lot of listeners are going to love to hear about. But before we do, let's just talk a little bit about you, Dan, because a lot of people out there might not actually know that much about you. Yes, You've been in property for what, eight years? Eight eight years now, yeah. Um, It's hard to think it's actually been that long. But yeah, so I'm I'm 27 now, been in property for eight years. Um, We bought our first house at 19. Um, Myself and Jamie of York have worked together for all that time. And um, yeah, we've grown a big business. So I was going to ask you, how, how did you actually get to know Jamie? Because presumably you've been together since on like university days, have you? Oh, no, we, we met at like a swingers club. <laughs> you know, no, no, we met at school, <laughs> at secondary school. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and always had a knack for sort of wanting to do business. So um, I think it might be, I'll tell a brief bit of how I got to yeah, do, here do, in, do. in this booth with yourself so um like I had a middle class upbringing I consider it like my mum and dad were both accountants and uh, which is different to Jamie who had a much more rough upbringing but obviously we met at school um obviously clicked he must have you know thought I was like the good looking funny one all of that (laughs) and um but yeah he's uh we then started to do some trading when we were at school um at the time I was running like you know doing two three then four jobs at once because I thought that's how you get rich you know first of all I was a um, gremlin at Argos one of these people that run around in the stock rooms Um, I did that the day I turned 16 
I was in a worked in a warehouse, which was a night job, you know, nine at night till six in the morning. Um, did that for a fair few months. And we used to deliver to all these lovely restaurants in uh, London or hotels, you know, like Claridge's, the Savoy, uh, Marian, Mandarin Orient, all of these places. Um, but it was just more and more time for money. And when I didn't have the money I wanted, I thought, oh, you know, I need to do more of this. Because um, I was saving up for a car, Peter. Mm. I was saving up for a Peugeot two hundred six CC convertible, which is every teenager's dream. I know it was. It was gonna. It was gonna get me all the ladies. It was gonna do everything. It was black and uh, you know uh, red seats, that sort of thing. Um, and I worked out I needed three thousand six hundred for that. And I always thought if I could just get those extra few hours in, you know, I'd be able to achieve my goals. Um, I think I wanted some clothes from River Island as well. Mm. I don't know if you've ever been into River Island. It's oh, not, I remember you know, River Island, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, that that was my dream t- 10 years ago. And uh, But working for other people didn't really work for me. Um, you know, I found that the money was being spent quicker than it was being used. Uh, and so we, I knew I had to do something creative. So... Um, Myself and Jamie then got into trading. So I, I know he's been on the podcast not too long ago. So we had a background of doing, like, we turned 18 quite early in the school year. Mm. Um, so we could start doing uh, what we called spread betting, which was betting on indices and that sort of thing. Um, it was very highly leveraged, very risky. And if you were to ask me now, I'd say we got lucky. If you were to ask me then, I'd have said I was a genius mm. or something like that because we, we made... Um, you know, a substantial sort of six-figure sum of money, which when you're 19 or 18, turning 19, what do you think happens to that? Yeah, you blew it. Well, yeah, or, or spent it all, yeah. Mm. Um, you know, so I then went travelling for a whole year. I went to New Zealand. I went to um, climb Kilimanjaro. We had, but it was all being spent and nothing was being replaced. Um, I then went to university in York, um, studied politics, philosophy and economics, and I did some pretty, like, stupid things there as well. And it wasn't that I spent it all on drinking or anything like that. You know, people imagine like, oh, yeah, kid's going to blow the money. Um, it was more on like parking fines, you know. All right. Had tax- you got the Peugeot by this time, by the way? No, no. I bought a Mercedes <laughs> instead. Oh, um, well, OK. That's pretty but good. I, I, because of my, like I knew my parents were accountants and they were very much get your education, go to work. I didn't tell them about the car, Peter. Right. So it was a yeah, Mercedes compressor. So it was black again this time with you know, leather seats and that sort of stuff. Um, but when they came up to visit, I'd have to hide it around the corner, you know, so I was sitting there pretending to have, or just be a normal student and they'd come up and say, oh, look, here's 50 quid just to help you out on the night out. And I was like, oh, great. But I, we had this, um, I had this bag of money next to the door that had a load of cash in and just when, whenever I needed to go out, I'd dip into it. Um, which now I feel a bit bad about because, you know, but it was because of lack of confidence. I wanted to achieve something before I could share with them that I was doing something out of the ordinary. Well, that's a pretty amazing story. And if we just stop there, that would still be well worth hearing. I mean, obviously, there's a lot more to come, which is why you're sat in the booth with me today. But I mean, just to sort of take a, a bit of a sort of a backtrack there, you and Jamie decided to do some trading as teenagers. You've yep. been rude about it, but you were teenagers. And you made oodles of money. What led you into trading? And, what, and you say it was all spread betting on indices. Just tell us a little bit more about that. I know it's not entirely relevant but i mean what it does is it helps set the scene i think that you've obviously got this entrepreneurial mindset and you know you're only 28 now 28 27 uh, 27 27 yeah. 27, sorry. 27 yeah 27 I, I just want to see where you're going to be when you're sort of like 50 or 60 doing amazing things but how did it all start then i mean you, you casually say me and jamie did this trading and ended up with six figure numbers but how did that work in practice while you're at school 
So I always like having tried the work, the working for other people and not working for me. Hmm. I knew that I needed to do something different. And where I distinguish between doing something else and obviously where we're going to get onto property um, is that the reliability of it. So we used to have news would come in and you'd um, with spread betting, you can bet against in, an indice, mm. you know, like the FTSE or the Dow or the DAX or the Nikkei. Um, so, for example, some bad news would come from Japan and we'd bet against the Nikkei. And we used to win a lot of the time. Um, it was quite formulaic, but because we were right more than 50% of the time, it made money. Mm. And because in that industry you can leverage, you know, you can put down a £5 bet and every point it goes would transform, would, you can, every point is worth £5. Mm. Um, but it was hugely risky as well. Mm. You know, so this is why now I say we got lucky. So mm. um, I, I enjoyed it and it was good to obviously get the money from it. But I remember the, the day I thought actually... Um, even though this is the kind of the right path because it's something that's I'm you know working for myself here I'm making good money I'm the um, I'm a victor not a victim in terms of I get my own results I still uh, knew that there was a risk to it so I was playing pool one evening um, in a bar in New Zealand and it was you know, there was a game called Killer Pool I don't know if you know it you know, like ten of you all and it's the first one to lose three lives loses and I thought I was going to win the girl I was trying to impress was there and you know it was all going well um, and then I lost and I, I wasn't very happy so I thought oh screw this I'm just going to go off and make a load of money so I went to one of the PC rooms in the hostel you know loaded up this, this computer um, and thought oh, so I'm just going to make some money and in the space of about five minutes I lost 900 quid all right and because of that like emotional decision um it was just like, what am I doing, man? Like, as in, that's a grand I've just lost, more or less, with because I lost a game of pool. Mm. And that that was the day where I realised I need to do something different. I hadn't found property then, mm. um, but yeah, that was the, that was the catalyst for going. Okay, let's move into something else. And the lack of money education as well, I cannot overstate mm. how much because if you know now that if if I knew now what I knew back then, I'd be several times. Uh, wealthier with them where I'm because of compound don't know yeah. over that eight or nine years mm. but because I spent it frivolously on you know cars and taxi rides and um the parking fines and that sort of thing mm. it it didn't uh didn't manifest to anything yeah but I'm not going to feel too sorry for you because you're still only 27 and you're doing okay so mm. but I appreciate what you're saying but property can't have been very far away for you because you bought your first property at 19 no so essentially when we started to catch ourselves mentally or when I started to think okay we need to do something else um we did our research peter we watched every single episode of homes under the hammer back to back more or less you know like a box set series now <laughs> and um burnley came up to a couple of times came up twice um and I share this story whenever I'm doing um a speaking event which I do every month with Progressive Now at No Money Down or even with my individual mentees is share the story of how um, that first investment lost us money, mm. you know, um, because we'd essentially picked uh, all the things we both teach not to do, you know, about going for a scattergun area, mm. having it many miles away, having no power team, um, and it manifested in a loss, which when we only had 40 grand left and then that um, went down, we're like, Gee, you know, we need to do something different. Mm. And I think the the way I found property was I won a um, a entrepreneurial like award at uni, and uh, part of that I met someone who said you should go and chat to this um, chat chat to this chap Alex Epitowski. 
Uh, he was in the same university doing the same degree, a couple of years older and like a year, academic year ahead. Um, but he was already well on his way in property. So I, I remember the day I met him because I drove to pick him up, um, nearly crashed the car on the way because in my head he was like this big millionaire property investor, you know, um, and I was a bit nervous. So nearly run a, crashed on the way in. And uh, yeah, I, um, I went to this courtyard bar. He, I ordered a beer. He ordered a glass of water. Um, and you could kind of see the different mindsets there. And it was the middle of the day. And um, he said, look, you need to read this book. And he gave me a book and he said, get yourself down to a progressive event. And I said, right. okay, cool. Because, um, right. of course, Alex is a member of the progressive community here and is one of the trainers at Progressive now. Again, a very young man who's very successful in property. So a great mentor to have. So that was a great introduction that somebody made there for you. Yeah, and he, he introduced us. Um, I didn't happen to see him for quite a while after that. But again, I remember coming to the first multiple streams in 2013. Mm. Um, so you know, just to help build out the timeline. But there, um, I saw all the speakers, saw all the events. I signed up for uh, the Masterclass, which obviously I know you run now. Um, at the time, it was Robin Mark still. And uh, I, I just went for it. You know, I, I knew that essentially, just, just to follow the kind of trail of thought, work and working for other people didn't necessarily work for me. Mm. It wasn't making me money quick enough. Doing something that's speculative had some upsides, but was one way risky and could have easily gone the other way. And property was that one where it's it's got the security, it's got the thing. And if you just have the knowledge, you're able to and you're able to apply it, um, then you'll make a success of it. So the, on the first um, the first course, I, I just went and um, I told Jamie I was going, but I didn't tell him what it was. And I signed up to a couple of the courses, including the masterclass. Um, I then sent him to an MSOPI a couple of weeks later. And afterwards, he said, yeah, it was all right. You know, um, yeah, I really like that, actually. And I said, oh, thank God for that, because I've already signed us up for a couple of the courses. <laughs> oh, right. OK. So, so you and Jamie were already sort of you retained your business relationship, even though you'd stopped doing the trading by that time, presumably. Yeah, because it did the property together, you know, that sort of thing. Um, worked at similar sort of places as well. He went to university in London hmm. um, and he did obviously come up to visit every now and then as well. So he got to know the same people. Um hmm. And we had a fun life, but our, our journey started in earnest after we um, had got that education and then moved to Leeds. So when Jamie graduated university, he said, look, we, I want to live somewhere that's not near my family. Um, I, like, I love them and I want to spend all this time with them. But at the same time, like, um, London's expensive. Um, if I live in Dartford, which is where we grew up, you know, there's not a lot going on there. And we also had the false perception that, that area doesn't work, mm. you know, which is something that nowadays, if we'd invested there six years ago, mm. um, it's grown massively. So, oh, you know, sort of wish we had it done. Mm. But at the same time, didn't want also the, the neckheads, you know, the people mm. that um, were perhaps friends or more um, satellite friends that surround yourself and saying, you can't do that. Who's going to lend you money? Who's going to, why would you be able to do this? Um, how can you get a mortgage when you're 21 years old? Mm. Some of them were valid problems, but the others were, like, we, we don't need to hear this. We need to crack on. Mm. Um, and so he can move to London. One of our other friends came from Liverpool and for the same reasons didn't want to move there. So we had a choice between Birmingham, Manchester and Leeds. So we had a choice between those three cities. And one of them had had a good night out in Leeds once. So we said, yeah, well, we'll go there. We'll pick there. You know, what's a year in the grand scheme of mm. things they thought they'd try it for? Mm. Um, it was convenient for me because I was at York at the time as well. So it was very nearby. And 
yeah, we, we essentially started to put it into practice then. Mm. Well, I love that story because one of the things which I think I get quite frustrated for people about is procrastinating and agonising over where we're going to go and do our investing. And I so often say, I think it's just a case of just go and do it. We can agonise so much over, is it going to be here? Is it going to be there? Sometimes you're just going to say, right, I'm just going to go somewhere and do it and crack on with it. And that's obviously what you and Jamie did. So you end up in Leeds. You're not naturally from Leeds. It's, it's, you've gone there because somebody once had a good night out in Leeds. Yeah. So, but, that, but that was the beginning of your sort of property empire, your property business. Yeah, so I'll share just where, where we're at now. I mean, mm. the, the Leeds thing, obviously, um, I don't have the accent to be a Yorkshire accent. And I've tried doing accents from stage and I'm pretty terrible at it. Um, a few of the listeners will obviously know that I'm pretty terrible at accents or trying to, you know, do, pretend to be from Yorkshire or something like that. So um, and I've still got the South London sort of twang, if you like. But um, we we started doing rent to rent. So um, that was we got on one rent to rent property and then two. And that was the cash flow, you know, the, the oxygen to breathe, because before that we would have had to have had a job. Um, but we did manage to get in from each property roughly 500 a month. Um, these were properties in Article 4 areas that, um, I don't know, in your town or city and perhaps some of the listeners in your town or city, you've got student lets that uh, in the past student lets, you know, used to be all futons on the floor, kind of start of 10 style. Whereas nowadays they've got um, gyms in the basement in these big high rise buildings, massive shared kitchens. Um, I've even seen one with a sauna on the roof um, for students. And mm-hmm. so they, that's completely transformed that market. And it meant that all the older HMO landlords only understood student lets. Um, they had this big HMO, but it wasn't the best condition. Didn't know what to do with it. And we, we sort of slotted into that market. You know, we said, look, what we're going to do is take these properties on guaranteed rent, return it to you in show home condition um, in, and look after the property for you. And we're going to put in our professional tenants. Mm. So that got the the wheels turning in terms of the cash flow. Um, and we got up to 14 properties of 70 rooms um, which is what I talk about a lot on my No Money Down um, course with Kevin and when we speak about how, you you know, obviously rent-to-rent works and how you, you facilitate cash flow from No Money Down. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So 70 rooms? Yes. Yeah, so on rent-to-rent? So, yeah. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? So what sort of net cash flow would that have been giving you? So it was, it was about seven grand a month. We, um, like, give or take, because, the, the you know, you grow with these things and the occupancy was never 100%. I'd say I'd be, you know, it was probably about 90% most of the time. Um, but the average tenancy in a room is 11 months. So you know that any five bed, you're going to have to replace a tenant yeah. every one or two um, months. So we became okay at that. And that worked. There was um, three people involved in that. So myself, Jamie, and one other person. So it had to feed three of us. But it was enough. You know, yeah. it was enough to start moving on to bigger things. Yeah. Um, which I, and what I love about that story is you've actually seen an opportunity because the student market was changing and you saw the opportunity to actually change it completely to young professionals yeah and there's five types of tenants you know you've got your lha tenants your dss tenants you've got your blue collar workers um factory workers that sort of thing white collar you know office workers sort of high-end um students which is another one and then boutique and that that kind of blue collar slash white collar worker tenant is where we fit in and when they're younger we call them stepping stone tenants it's Mm. like a demographic term for essentially means that you want to move out of your parents' house, but you can't afford to live on your own yet. Mm. So, you know, um, then there's a lot of those nowadays in today's climate where people can't buy houses and the average home buyer age is 32 outside of London. So there's loads of different reasons people need that accommodation. Yeah. Brilliant. 
So that's the, that was sort of like the entry level. You bought your property in Burnley, you then gone to Leeds and you started your rent to rent. What happened next then, Dan? Yeah, so I bought property in Burnley, messed it up, got our um, cash flow coming in. And then um, myself and Jamie, we started our main brand, which is We Sell BMV. Um, I wouldn't call it the main brand now, actually. Our company's called Aspire Property Group. Um, but that's, and that's one of the sub-brands. But we started to get in, um, like, see deal packaging as the way forward because we were good at negotiation. We were good at finding properties, um, good at selling them as well. So we get in properties from all over the country, and we then send those uh, to investors all over the country. Um, and we started with a database list of, I think it was like 250 people, mm-hmm. um, and a website that had very good SEO. So another couple of investors were coming through each week. Um, and I remember, you know, talking to those first few investors was pretty nerve-wracking. You know, nowadays we do it every single day. You know, mm-hmm. these thousands of investors we've spoke to and helped. Um, but I remember the first one that had more than like a few properties. This chap had 50 properties. And I was like, oh, and there, was, there was this one time where um, Jamie had like I hang out, hung up on him because he had another call coming in. I was like, well, you can't do that. This guy's got 50 houses. How can you hang up on him? Mm. Um, but because and it was all new, but it was it was good. And the, the first deal we sold um, that I remember, we sold for 520 quid. Mm. You know, that, that was, was your fee. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, weirdly, it, I think the house was also, no, it was in Crewe, actually. I was going to say there, there was another one in Burnley quite mm. earlier on as well, by coincidence. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so we're going properties all over the country. And uh, bear in mind, this is six years ago. So as we grew, we then realised that, um, you know, we needed to hire a PA because it started in an office, which was in one of the rent-to-rent rooms, mm. you know, um, doing the little air floaty things. But mm. the an office was a bit of a tenuous term, mm. Um you know, just a couple of desks, second-hand desks, that sort of thing. Uh, we then moved to a city centre office, which didn't work out. We actually ended up getting kicked out of that one um, because we had, like, posts from different brands coming in and they were like, you can't, you need to pay for virtual mailboxes. And then we were like, we don't want to do that, you know. Um, so we had to then move just outside of, to the north of Leeds, which was fantastic. And we got in one member of staff, then two, then uh, now, you know, we've grown to be a, a fairly sizable but still growing property company. Mm. Um, well, I was going to say, because you've gone from that first deal for 520 quid fee, but you've done over a thousand deals now. Yeah. So we've done over a thousand deals. Um, I, I'm not too sure on the, uh, like the total number, but like uh, that was true probably about seven, eight months ago as well. So it's probably quite a few more than that now. Um, to give you an example, last month we sold 40 rent to SA deals. Um, wow. I think it was actually 47. Sorry. I was away for five days in uh, Portugal and the other, the last ones we had sold um, whilst I was away. So yeah, so we're doing okay. And it's, it's grown because it's not just as our understanding has grown and our place in the market, you know, um, it's not just below market value deals or good buy to let deals. It's rent to rents, um, service accommodation. And I think the, the nationwide sourcing works very well. You know, on average, the fees would generally be about 50 grand a month give or take. Um, obviously, last month was a lot higher than that because if you sell 40 deals, they're all obviously um, you know, going to generate you a lot more money. But when we, um, as time's gone on, we've started to invest in property more. So um, one of our other businesses is a property investment company. Um, it's all under Aspire Property Group now. So we, you know, we're rebranding and making that consolidated. But we invest with investors to help them get a hassle-free return on their money. So where people don't um, you know, want to buy the house themselves necessarily will help facilitate that um, by giving them a good return or working with them, that sort of thing. And then 
all these kind of things dovetail. Um, so I know with yourself, Peter, you've obviously got a huge portfolio and then you've moved into other areas of property as well. And that, that's, I think, you know, from someone perhaps who was how it grows, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I always say when we're doing masterclass at the introduction, I always say whatever it is you imagine you're going to be doing, you know, in 10 years' time, you're going to be doing something completely different, probably somewhere where you've never even thought of because that's just how life goes, isn't it? It's, we rarely stay on that road, but it doesn't matter. As long as you yeah. start taking steps, you'll end up somewhere. And, and just to fill the picture out, I mean, we um, off the back of uh, our investment company, we were buying flips, you know, so we'd buy one, do it up and sell it, then another one. Um, and as we started to build a really good build team around us, we found that we didn't quite have enough properties going through to um, facilitate the full-time use of that team. Uh, but we then started to do them for other investors. So we started in a construction company. Um, so I don't know if you've ever had a hassle trying to find reliable builders, Peter. Oh, all the time. Uh, or, um, all the time. Even know, now, I still yeah. still struggle. Yeah. Or, or even people that are investments have it, you know, because you can get like a good builder, but they may um, sort of want to either put in too much or like push you on some areas of price that aren't right. Um, so, and a funny ones, interior designers, like as in really fantastic industry, but when it comes to spending money, they, like we had one that wanted four hundred pound shower heads in one of our oh, investors' dear. HMO conversions, right? And it was like you, you're missing the point to a degree. Mm. Like it will look fantastic, sure, but so will the fifty quid one or whatever you know, mm. whatever um, price it is. So yeah, so we've got the construction team. We've had properties coming in, and more and more and more as we um, train more people and increase our marketing spend. Um, and we've just, uh, you know, a few, just about a year ago, we started doing bespoke sourcing for people. So it's not something that we've shouted about too much, but it's a lot more um, focused. So, you know, myself and you would maybe sit down and you'd say, this is a return on cash I'm looking for. Hmm. And we wouldn't use our knowledge of Leeds and the surrounding towns and area, you know, the satellite towns like Halifax, um, Huddersfield, that sort of thing, to find investment properties, particularly HMOs, but also um, buy-to-lets as well. And that's there's, there's two types of sourcing deals. I don't know if you've had... Um, I know you've had Jamie on here or David Siegler talking about the, the sort of models of deal sourcing. Um, but when we're doing it nationwide, it's our case of we get in the stock and then we sell it. And that's that's cool, but it's also we're selling a different thing every time. Whereas this time around, we, we do it, you reverse it and find the investor first. Speak to the investor and understand their needs, their desires. Um, you need some commitment from them up front mm-hmm. because loads of people will tell you they want this stuff. But you need to know that, one, they're qualified to do it, and two, they're actually serious about using your services. Um, and we charge, um, is it all right to share yeah, how much? Of we, yeah, do, of course. Yeah, do, 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 do. Um, so we, we charge six and a half grand for a fully start-to-end um, buy-to-let investment with a targeted return on cash, and then 10 grand for HMO, you know, five grand for finding it and five grand for managing the, the full refurb, which our team does. Um, and the first few times, very much like selling that first deal for 500 quid, I thought, okay, like I was, a li- I was obviously fairly confident then, but I guess this comes on to what I wanted to talk about was that there's there's a degree of being nervous sometimes, and I see this so much in mentees and um, people that have just on the no money down course, you know, that are um, like they're not as confident in themselves as I am in them, mm-hmm. and there was a little bit of that, and I was sat with an investor the other day who said, look, so I basically broke down what we do, which is. Um, and which many of the listeners will do for their um, customers and investors as well, which is obviously go through from, um, right, so you're going to find the area, research the area, do your due diligence, you're going to uh, negotiate the property, 
make sure it hits the return targets. Use your team to get through the conveyancing and the broker, um, get through the, that process. Um, once the keys are delivered, which is only half the value, you're then going to do the whole refurb so they don't have to do anything. They just get sent pictures. And at the end, it's tenanted. So we, we'll use our contacts to tenant the property as well hmm. um, because it's not cash flowing then. A lot of sources will sometimes just say, all right, here's the keys and a nice shiny empty property. I'm like, no, that's not making you money. Hmm. And we add so much more value than six and a half grand or 10 grand hmm. by doing that. Um, and I think the, the thing to get across is no matter what you're doing in property, the if I was giving myself advice from a few years ago, it would be that believe in the value you add to other people. Hmm. I think that's really important. Mm. No, I totally agree. And one of the questions which I'm sometimes asked is, well, why would you ever use a deal package or somebody to source properties for you? Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I mean, partly there's the whole time element. We haven't all got the time to go and source the deals. But it's also having the confidence that somebody who knows what they're looking for is actually out finding the properties and they can help you to make sure it actually does what it's meant to do. That's absolutely critical, isn't it? Yeah. Otherwise, the argument is you just go on to right move and choose any old random property. That's how you get your fingers burnt. Yeah, and, and so many people bring us fingers from Rightmove that it's, it's not a deal, it's just a house. And, and yes. everything we do is um, mostly off-market or brought to us, you know, by agents specifically. Um, as in, they'll say, Dan, I think this is a good one for you. Or Matt, our acquisitions manager, I think that's a good one for you. Um, but if I was taking myself back a few years and said, what is it I wanted to hear, um, Peter, that mm. would, would help me? It would be about how do you overcome that fear of talking, and fear is perhaps the wrong word, but it might be apprehension or waiting for the perfect moment, you know, mm. um, of starting to talk to vendors or starting to talk to investors and particularly your, your own family, you know, because um, there's there's a bit we do, and um, I don't know if I've shared this with you, In the it, we do this in the No Money Down training, which is basically saying what's holding you back. And I get everyone to write up and have a quick brainstorm of what is it that's actually holding us back? Because if you gave me some advice on how to be fit, um, I'm sure you'd be able to give me some pretty good advice. I've heard other people talking about how to be fit. I'm not sure I'm gonna, <laughs> the master model, but there we go. I do go to the gym occasionally, believe it or not, but so, so the, the, I know what you mean. The, Carry you, on. You'd get yeah. the fundamentals, which would be, you know, eat healthy, drink water and exercise. Sure. Um, but so many people won't do that. And it's because they're waiting for, you know, they haven't got the time. I'm waiting for something to come along. And it's very similar in property. Um, in that you exactly the same in that you have all of the tools there you have everything you need in terms of like right if you've done the training um you do this do this if you you know if you've got a process that which any of the progressive um courses and models would give you it's just then going out and doing it but why don't we do it mm. well why not well the i feel that there's there's always something sort of an apprehension it's fear of losing other people's money let's say or fear mm. of um being judged mm. as a failure mm. or fear of uh, being told no that's mm. a huge one particularly mm. with vendors um and if i was rewinding five years ago because I, I i also had that same fear of talking to vendors because um i saw it as like a significant thing like oh my god this landlord wants to meet me about renting his house out and the uh, jamie's always been more confident if, if you were to describe the the analogies often that he's more of a like rob more out there um good you know with the people and stuff and i'm more of the like analytical um process driven systems all of this stuff um and fundamentally enjoy it but what what i got was that in order to be wealthy i need to be able to push myself to learn how to do these things and to do them mm. you know so i need to be able to talk to vendors to talk to investors to close people to sell 
and it's 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 fundamental and you can have your own style with it as well um but some of the things i learned from talking to you know the very first <laughs> vendors was or, or having taught a lot of people how to do this is that people one make it significant um you know like it's it takes up mind space in your diary and then sometimes you don't do it for a day or a week i don't know if you ever had an activity where you've done that mm. you know take a bit of a you need a run up to get yes, going with absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And in, and in property, the classic for me, which I talk about at Masterclass, is actually going to visit the estate agents. Yeah. I, I'm still quite shy. People don't understand that I am actually quite a shy person, despite the fact that I go on stage and I do yeah. the podcast. <laughs> but I am. And so going through the estate agent's door, I have to sort of count myself in. I have to build up to it a couple of days beforehand. And then when I get there, it's one, two, three, and then jump through the door. Yeah. And so that's. Um, it's, it's a common one, that, because people see the, the estate agent or the letting agent like some force field barrier to all of your, you know, potential passive income dreams. Uh, these people, if you can just get past the estate agent or the letting agent, and then they never take the step in the door. Mm. Um, and uh, there's a few tips which I'll share on that as well. Um, they do. One do. of them you've just mentioned is the, the kind of the five second rule. Mm. So if there's something you don't want to do, you try and there's a book uh, about the five second rule. Mm which is essentially you just do it in the first five seconds and it's over and done with. And obviously we'll expand on that as well, but that's a first mm. step if you can get yourself to doing that. Um, the people will sometimes go on the course and say, right, okay, I'm, I'm infused, I'm hyped up now. Um, and for, for myself or yourself, someone who's, you know, not like we said, a little bit shyer or um, in my case, I was say a bit, you know, geeky or whatever. Um it takes that a little bit of extra time, so we need that hype up. And then when we've got that, we'll go to the biggest agent in town, the one that we really want to connect with as the first one. Mm. And then we'll try, and then obviously mess it up because it's the first one. Yes, it's it's a case of doing it again and again. So, um, what I like to say to people, whether it's raising finance or trying to get deals from vendors, because the the, the objections to that people have to the two are very similar, um, is to practice on ten people first, where it doesn't matter. You could go in that door and swear your head off at them and leave, and that's still better than doing nothing. Obviously, don't do that. Mm. <laughs> but but um, you could, you know, go in, miss your pitch up or whatever, and uh, still then come out. By the time you've got to that tenth one, if you've actually done this, you you will be better, infinitely better. By the time you've done ten, so now you can. And by the way, you might accidentally get a deal out of it, which case you could source it on. You know, feel free to, uh, you know, send it and. Um, sell it on because you might make some money that way even if it's not in your area but the the then you go in the 11th time you've got all of that experience behind you or at least enough to get yourself you know closer to your goal um yeah it's, it's completely mental as opposed to physical you know the process you know and you have your own skill set but it's the belief in yourself that people mm. need yeah no i totally agree it's the whole going for no type premise isn't it and we always say that if you're going to go and practice, for example, talking to estate agents, go and choose an area where you're not going to invest and spend a Saturday afternoon talking to all the, those estate agents in an area where you know you're not going to invest and just practice talking to them. Yeah. A very similar principle to what you're describing here, Dan. And so, so many people don't do that, yeah. Absolutely. I, I mean, in, for you, though, I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated by this because there was obviously this realisation, this moment where you knew that you had to go and do this stuff anyway, even though you didn't feel comfortable with it. So did you just launch yourself out there and start doing it, or did you go and get some training? What what actually happened? How did you actually manage to get yourself out there and start doing it? What was the big change? Um, I tried to 
launch myself out there because I believe that, that growth only comes when you're pushing on the edge of your comfort zone. Mm. If you go too far, then obviously, like, that's not healthy. You know, um, if I said that tomorrow I'm going to do a speech at Wembley, that's too far. Mm. But if it was saying a speech in front of a thousand people, that would probably be at the edge of the comfort zone. Mm. That'd be reasonably okay. Um, and it's the same with when I got started. So we, we used to often have, we'd, we'd sell a deal and then let's say the survey took place or something like that. Um, and there's one set of investors who um, the survey came back and there was a couple of issues on it. So I needed to renegotiate the price between the vendor and the investor. And for anyone that does deal packaging or indeed deals in general, this is possibly a fairly common thing for yourself. But it was the f- first time I did it and I was nervous. You know, um, I didn't, I was, what was going on in my head was that this investor is going to say, no, I need it at that price. I'm not buying it if it's a penny more. Um, that the you know these problems need to be fixed now, and that the vendor was going to say no. You know you're taking the mic that like I've already like I've sold it as seen all of this stuff, um, and none of it happened. Mm. I had a, just a straightforward conversation with them, and none of it happened. Mm. And it's iteratively pushing on the edge of that comfort zone. Mm. It doesn't matter kind of in which direction you push. It's, it's, it's so long as you get yourself out there, um, because for me that wasn't like I was jumping into the deep end renegotiating a deal was a good starting point for anyone that's not um, started at the minute i suggest head getting on gumtree or getting on open rent or getting on any sort of site where you can get direct to vendor or direct to landlord and start that practice process mm. um that was the moment where i realized it needed to be done yeah well, I mean, that's a great story one of the things which really strikes me about that is what i often say is that 95 percent of the stuff which we worry about never happens Completely, and yeah. the thing which does happen is something we can't even begin to imagine. We don't even know it's coming, so there's no point in worrying about it. We just need to get out there and do it. I, I had, used to have a lot of fear as well about um, approaching my parents or um, anyone in my family actually for investment for money. Well, I was going to say that that would be really good to talk about because you mentioned that earlier. Because the whole question of raising money is one of those things which is a in society it's quite taboo anyway. We don't talk about money. But particularly within property circles, many, many people I see coming through the doors here at Progressive don't understand or realise just how easy it is actually to raise the money because the money's out there. But we've got this mental block and we just assume nobody's going to want to lend us the money. So any tips you can give, Dan, would be very, very helpful. Yes. So the the line I always say is that the money comes when you believe you add the value to deserve it. Okay. So you you raise the money when you, you believe you add the value to deserve it. And there's because people, if you're going to a networking event, you don't quite believe it yourself or wherever it is, it's never going to come across as confidence. Um, but if you know what you deliver to people, that's fantastic. And that can you can find that in quite a number of ways. So if I just went through the example earlier of all the different things we do for, for our sourced and packaged clients, we obviously do um, a lot for them. And everyone has a money problem. It's whether they've got not enough money or too much money. And for people with too much money, they need to invest it in something that's sustainable, that's safe. And you facilitate that. You help solve their problem. Mm. And a lot of people I know like have trouble believing that. But the more you put yourself out there, the more you see it to be true. Um, we, I speak to every person I know about property investment because I know that those people I speak to will, may or may not will know 50 other people some of whom will be interested. Um, I remember once, and it's, sometimes it's the least you expect, I've raised invest, um, finance or like had very good interest from people from talking to taxi drivers who refer me to people. One of them was one of our cleaners who um, sent us, say, an investor in Norway and ended up like um, translate, translating, converting kroner into 
pounds to see mm. how much it was. And he had mm. 900 grand to invest in property mm. um, because of that referral, because I was telling everyone what I was doing. Um, and the more you say it, the more you believe it. And you always tell, not sell. So you're never trying to raise money so much. You try to tell people what you do. I facilitate financial freedom. Mm. That's that's my way of putting it. For some people, we're saying I grow their wealth. Mm. And there's an analogy. Um, I joined a networking group, um, a breakfast networking group, uh, fairly soon, which is where you have 50 people. You go there every Friday. And the whole point of that is to get referrals. And most people don't have a strategy for their business for getting referrals in, for getting in word of mouth. But if you can join something like that, um, it really adds value to your business because you've got though all those people going out proactively trying to find people for you. And you don't just limit it to the networking event, obviously. You can do that everywhere in life. Mm. Um, but the if you think, okay, uh, let's say me and you, Peter, are going to go and raise some finance. So we're going to go out the door and there's a load of aggressive stuff and we need to raise some finance. If we think, who do we know that wants to lend money or wants to invest in us? We'll probably think of like a couple of people, maybe a few more because we've obviously got contacts and stuff, but pretending we started from you know, a blank slate we would only be able to think of a few. Whereas if we thought who wants to increase their wealth, mm. that scope is Different completely question. Absolutely. bigger. Absolutely. You know, every single person out there wants to increase their wealth and we can help them do that. What a great, what a great idea. What a great idea. So the practical question, I suppose, is where do you take it from there? What, how do you actually approach people? What are your tips for actually talking to people and having the conversation now? Yes. A little while back, you were just saying that you were a little bit nervous when you're having those conversations. Yeah, so there's always a, a process to follow because if you if you know a process, then the whole thing becomes easy and you're doing the same thing again and again and you can start to have fun with it. Um, it's very much like perhaps for me and you the first time we were speaking on stage. You know, you, you taught a process in the um, ESR model and all of this stuff and then you're, you need to grow in it and to be, have your own confidence. Um, so for myself, when it comes to raising investment, we always like to speak to as many people as possible, tell them what we do, um, that we facilitate financial freedom for people, we help investors invest with security, and people will then come back to us. So there's some proactive thing from them. So there's the people that are, you know, they're prospects now. Mm. They've gone from being unqualified. We then need to qualify them, as in we ask questions. I, the, the question I often ask is, okay, cool. So um, where do you want to be? Because I think it's so important to understand, one, if it's right for them, and also if you can actually facilitate their goal, because some people have dreams that are, you know, like I want 25% BNV in the middle of Mayfair for 50 grand. Mm. That's, it's mm. Like, mm. that's not going to happen. Yes. So um, you need to either bring them to reality or check that they've, they're able to work with you. Um, so where is it you want to be and what resources you have available to achieve that? And that's a very eloquent way of essentially saying how much, what pot have you got? How much mm. money have you got? Mm. And it may not always be money. It might be equity in a house or you know, these people that it might, they, they might, you start talking to them in six months later, they're ready to invest. It's just the first time you spoke to them. It wasn't there 12 o'clock yet. Mm. It wasn't quite their time yet. Mm. Um, but you, you, the more you do this, the more you have in the pipeline and they keep popping up and up. So once you've sort of qualified them, I then say, look, we're going to have a 20 minute consultation or something tangible. You know, it didn't have to, it could be a coffee is the word people use. I don't use, like, I don't usually um, sit down and have a coffee. I prefer to do that on the phone. But, mm. um, you know, where you get to understand essentially what they really want to achieve. And what I mean by really is you're digging into, um, it's not like two grand a month is a financial target. I want to help invest. Uh, I want to help spend more time with my kids. I want to help my parents. I want to 
buy their house. I want、mm. to go on more holidays.、Mm. Um, that's a that's what you're really trying to understand. Yes, from the person in that twenty minute consultation, and then and you obviously share what you do. <clears throat> so we always put forward two options. So for example.、Um, With most investors, the case of if you invest, you can lend us money and it's、um, hassle-free. You'll get a fixed interest rate.、Um, we invest that in property. You obviously, use all of our expertise, and you don't have to do anything. So that's completely hassle-free for you.、Um, you can just go on to the beach or wherever it is you want to、mm-hmm. go.、Um, you know, and you, there people invest that money for a long time, and it's very safe. So that's basically just for an income from the interest. Yeah, yeah. And then if they want a slightly higher return and they perhaps they want to buy a property, we say, okay, cool. What we can do is source you a property or a HMO in Leeds or surrounding area. We'll still take care of all the important bits for you,、um, the whole start to end process I went through earlier. However, we'll、um, you're obviously going to have to buy the house, and that has benefits for some people because it means that they can,、um, like they get the capital appreciation, all this stuff. But it is a tiny bit more hands on.、Um, Because they have to sign the documents and whatnot, so and that's two options there, and of those two solutions, most people will fall into those. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. And anybody listening to this, I just encourage you just to sort of take on board what Dan's saying here, and just go and do it. Go and talk to people, and you'll be amazed at the deals that actually come out of that. There, there was a story I heard、um, a couple of weeks ago because I, I spend a lot of my time learning as well, like as in I listen to all sorts of podcasts. I even have a researcher that. Goes through YouTube videos, picks out the best bits, and then sends the the salient points to、wow. mm. you know. So,、um, and one of these was a story about mindset, which I thought I'd just share、um, briefly. Which was a, a grandchild asked his grandfather, "What's you know,、um, what should I think?、Uh, how should I approach this stuff of getting out there in life? You know, find investors or investors." If he was a grandkid, I'm sure it probably wasn't that he was going to try and raise、mm. investment, but you know.、Um, How should I? What should I think? And the the wise grandfather said to him, "Look, in in your head, there's a battle between two wolves, and one of the wolves is, you know, like love and compassion and hope and opportunity and freedom, and the other one is fear and doubt and、um, disbelief and that you can't do it." And the, the grandchild said, "Well, which one wins?" And the grand grandfather said, "Whichever one you feed." Yes. And that's completely true. If you surround yourself with people like, like in this community. And you'll get that belief that you add the value you need to. Absolutely, absolutely. And one thing which I would say to anybody who sort of tuned into this and thinks, "Hang on, why are they talking about all this mindset stuff? What's happened to the property?" It's absolutely key. You cannot do the property if you haven't got the mindset. And I think I see so many people who sort of put it the other way around, cart before the horse. If you haven't got the right mindset, it doesn't matter what you do, you're not going to succeed. It doesn't matter how much property education you get. It doesn't matter how much knowledge you have. Doesn't matter what you're doing in life; you've got to have the mindset in order to get you to where you want to be. And I think it's absolutely crucial, isn't it? Yes, yeah. And、um, in terms of knowledge, because like I said about the gym analogy, you you can learn that here. You know,、um, we're doing. I'm doing no money down discovery days now.、Um, there's going to be about one a month every month. If you want to contact the team for that,、um, in that course, it's three days of like hardcore content.、Mm. You know, I, I feel like God could ask me a question about property, and I'll be able to answer it. Um, and I know that many of the other trainers, all the other trainers here, are the same.、Um, that they'd be able to answer, or at the very, very least, know someone that would quickly be able to get the answer.、Um, mm. What when you're then out there in the world? Because you know people may be listening in the car or listening in the gym,、um, listening on maybe on the beach for a few people, maybe even in the office when you're meant to be working, whatever it is、mm. for you.、Um, then 
it's that this is the stuff that actually gets you to continue to move forward so that you decide to contact some vendors on Gumtree tonight as opposed to doing something else. It's all right giving you the tools, but if you don't have the uh, you know thing to go to work using them, then you're not going to get anywhere. No, absolutely not. No, I totally agree. So, Dan, we've almost got to the end of our time. It's flown by, but you're a very young man, as, as you are at the moment, 27. Mm-hmm. I've got to ask you the question, what are your dreams? What are your goals? Where do you see yourself in five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years' time? I think, I think the, the longest further in advance I've looked is sort of five years um, because I have, like, I'm well comfortable in North Leeds now. I've got the the office, the gym, and my house all within a short area of each other. So very happy. What I'm looking to do next, I guess, is um, like grow our brands. We, there's so much potential. Both myself and Jamie are going to be launching books in the next few years. Um, I mean, multiple books on different things um, because we've come to learn all this stuff and run a business as well as you know a property um, portfolio and. Uh, for, for this year in particular, I'd actually like, strangely, a bit more property as well. Um, you know, we have a substantial portfolio now, but there's always room to grow. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what we're going to be looking to be doing as well. Fantastic. Now, anybody who's listening to this who's perhaps thinking, well, yeah, I'd quite like to buy some deals, or maybe they're thinking I'd quite like some help putting together a portfolio, how can they contact you? What's the best way of doing that? Uh, so the best thing to do is contact Dan at AspireProperties.co.uk or anyone at AspireProperties.co.uk, to be honest. Um, it will come through and we'll be able to help you out, get in touch or arrange a consultation call. Um, I'm also on Instagram. It's Dan Buck and Aspire. So um, sort of a social media plug there. But these these things, um, like we need to obviously grow them and uh, I share a lot of our story on there as well. Um yeah, Dan at Aspire Properties. And just to be clear, the Aspire, the spell A-S-P-I-R-E? Yeah, yeah, and then Properties, I-E-S. Properties, yeah. So anybody who's out there fancies doing some deals with Dan, fancies having a bit of a handhold where it comes to building a portfolio, or is looking for some leads for some packaged properties, all of that, Dan, you can help with. Yeah, and obviously I'll be around Progressive often. We've got no many down discovery days being launched this year. And to me, it's the most, like, whether you have money or whether you don't, you need to know this stuff because it gives you more tools to go and fix pe- in vendors' problems, to fix people's problems. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to doing a few of those. Brilliant. Well, Dan, it's been fantastic to have you on the podcast. So thank you ever so much for coming in. Thank so you very much. do get in touch with Dan, dan at aspireproperties.co.uk. Yep. That's right, yeah. So get in touch with Dan, Dan Bucken. Dan, as he says, is a trainer down here at Progressive, so you can meet him, say hello when you're walking through Progressive HQ when you're down here. Come on the Discovery Days, learn all about No Money Down Deals. I've been Peter Jones, being great to be with you as well. If you want to know more about me, come to my website, thepropertyteacher.co.uk, or you can find me on Facebook. Find uh, If you just search on The Property Teacher on Facebook, you'll find my Facebook page. If you like it, then I think I'll probably spam you for life, but that's okay, isn't it? We're all friends together. Or you can find me on YouTube as well. Come and find my YouTube channel. Just search The Property Teacher or Peter Jones, you'll find me. Until next week, though, until the next Progressive Property Podcast, here's to successful property investing. Everybody.